listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. Oh, Elijah on has David Robinson. Just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. Yeah. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I am one of your hosts, Dex Hinton, and you can find me on Twitter at Dex Hinton. And I'm your second host, Akib Ghazi, and you can find me on Twitter at A-Q-I-B underscore Rockets. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about the Rockets' final scrimmage against the Boston Celtics. It was a dominant win because the Celtics didn't really play all of their main players. Um, so we knew that was coming. But the biggest thing to come out of the, this game was definitely the injury scare for Eric Gordon. So we're going to talk about that and then dive into the rest of the game and then the outlook for the seeding games as the NBA restarts. But first, I can go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. You haven't been on the podcast before, so tell them about, you know, why you're a part of this site and why you love the Rockets, things like that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, my name is Akib, obviously, as I introduced myself. And um, I am an industrial engineer by profession, but, you know, my true passion is sports and especially the Houston Rockets. And, you know, I'm a diehard fan. I've been following the Rockets for you know, probably almost since birth, actually, because I was, I was born in 95, I mean, 94, and the Rockets won their first championship that year. So, you know, ever since then, you know, my family's been, you know, well into the Rockets. And ever since then, I've been a, you know, a diehard fan. Um, and yeah, and I've been writing for a couple of years now. Um, I've written for first for the lead sports media group. And then um, I also wrote for the Rockets Wire as well. Um, last season and um, yeah and this season um, I'm looking forward to it with the with Clutch City Control Room writing and podcasting for sure. That's awesome man. Um, So yeah let's go ahead and dive into the situation at hand. Unfortunately Eric Gordon turned an ankle in the second quarter of the Rockets last scrimmage game. Um, It's tough man. Um, Looks like he just had an awkward landing on a Celtics defender and Turned his ankle. Um, well, just reporting the x-rays are negative, so there don't appear to be any broken bones. But you were saying as far as x-rays go, that's not going to really tell you anything about if there's like a sprain or anything like that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, with x-rays, it's usually just bone that you can tell what's wrong. Um, he's going to need an MRI, obviously, just for just to check on the ligament, see if there's any any tears. But, yeah, that's usually the case. You'll be able to find out from the MRI, um, you know, how bad the sprain is. But we know as Rockets fans, we're definitely hoping that nothing too bad is 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 going on over there. It's it just sucks seeing Eric Gordon you know, after being so healthy, and you know we've all seen it how you know he's he still had that he's now had that burst of energy. He can he can run up and down. He has no problem, no issues driving to the hoop. Um, 
Uh, obviously, his shot wasn't falling. He hadn't. He hasn't been looking good on that end. But you know, shoot or shoot. You know, I, I was. I was gonna ex- expect his shots to fall later on. But um, yeah, it just sucks that he's health. He was just healthy now, and you know, you know, we don't know what's what's up now. Yeah, he his shot definitely wasn't falling in these first few scrimmages. But I expected him to kind of shoot himself into form eventually as the seeding games went on. It's just. It just sucks because, you know, everybody was talking about how the Rockets were, you know, rested and healthy because they had these four months off. And so, you know, their high energy kind of taxing style of running up and down the court, having to switch everything on defense, all that kind of stuff, shooting a ton of threes, attacking the paint constantly. Um, you know, now would have been the perfect time to be able to do all that for the long haul because it's only eight games and then you go to the playoffs after four months of rest. But, uh, you know, right before we start getting into the games that matter, Eric Gordon turns an ankle. So, um, you know, we're hoping that it's, you know, just a mild sprain or um, something like that or even just a turned ankle. But, um, you know, it didn't look great uh, watching it live. And obviously he kind of struggled to put a lot of weight on that foot as they kind of helped him off the court. So uh, we don't know what we're looking at. But once we uh, find out more information, obviously we'll be – uh, posting and podcasting about that over here on Clutch City CR. But uh, since we don't know the status of Eric Gordon, we're looking at the Rockets' depth. And let me tell you, there ain't a whole lot. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> who do you expect to kind of have to step up now that Eric Gordon potentially may be out for a few games or something like that? Yeah, at this point, I see two main options. It's either going to be Daniel House Jr. or it's going to be Ben McElmore. Um and I'm going to expect more for uh, Mike D'Antoni to go with House just because he's been in that position. He's fit that role. He started so many games for the Rockets. Macklemore hasn't started as quite as many games this season, I don't think. So, you know, House would be a natural fit with his length. Um, you know, he could probably rebound a little bit better than uh, Ben Macklemore. Um, and, he, you know, he could also – he could still shoot that thing. So – I could, I definitely can see MDA going with um, Daniel House as that natural fit, um, and it would just, it would look really nice actually. With, in my opinion, and I know a lot of Rockets fans on Twitter, they definitely wanted to see Daniel House out there starting, um, you know, instead of Eric Gordon. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, um, Dex, uh, I actually didn't mind having Eric Gordon starting and. Um, we can get we can get into this a little bit, but that second unit with James Harden, it looked pretty pretty nasty, pretty dangerous. What do you think? Yeah, I think that the I wasn't a big fan of Eric Gordon in the starting lineup just because I mean I'm not used to it, and I think that mm. you know the uh, the lineups where it's James Harden and Eric Gordon with no Russell Westbrook, I think I prefer those lineups to the you know the, the Eric Gordon James Harden Russell Westbrook starting lineup just because I think that, you know, James Harden plays a little bit better with just Eric Gordon than he does with both him and Russell Westbrook. Um, But, yeah, as far as starting goes, I wanted to see Daniel House start um, before Eric Gordon got hurt. And I think, you know, now that we're kind of forced into that, um, I think it might help us a little bit with a starting lineup. Uh, If Eric Gordon is okay and, you know, can come back in a few games or – right before the playoffs or whatever it may be, I think that him coming off the bench would be a little bit better of a role for him uh, personally. But, uh, yeah, I just think 
Daniel House hasn't been shooting that well in the scrimmages. Uh, obviously, it's hard to say uh, whether or not that'll turn around. Obviously, the Rockets are very up and down shooting team. You know, sometimes for they sure. get hot, sometimes they get cold. Uh, that's for the whole team. That's for all the individual players. So we'll just have to see how it works out. But I think Daniel House back in the starting lineup will be okay. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike D'Antoni does with that kind of six-man spot because, uh, like I was saying earlier, we don't have a whole lot that inspires confidence yeah. as a six-man. Uh, you know, we have we just got Austin Rivers back, so maybe uh, you know he'll kind of step into that role of playing the six-man. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to say at this point. What do you think? Yeah, um, just after watching these couple of scrimmages, scrimmage games, it, I mean, it, it didn't look like um, Mike D'Antoni was, you know, ready to go too deep. Um, Cause I mean, we know in the past he's in the playoffs, he doesn't go past maybe an eight, possibly a nine man rotation. And right now it's looking more like an eight man rotation um, without Eric Gordon. Hopefully Eric Gordon comes back and we see a, a larger, you know, lineup or, uh, with the rotation um, as far as that goes, but it's, you know, it's, we, it's really hard to see Mike D'Antoni go past, you know, Macklemore, Jeff Green, Rivers off the bench. Um, other than that, like, who do we who do we see, you know, playing that, you know, maybe an, a ninth man type uh, role? Like, it's is it going to be Damari Carroll? Is it going to be Luke Mbahamute? Luke Mbahamute, you know, it's he hasn't played much in the past two years, so it's really hard to say that he gets he gets to you know, play at all. Um, but, you know, I would, I would really like to see Damari Carroll. I know he hasn't offensively. He just hasn't looked fantastic. He hasn't looked good at all, actually. Um, he's not yet very comfortable. I would really like to see him, you know, get some minutes, um, especially if Eric Gordon goes down for some extended amount of time. Um, but, you know, we do have what I want to say, like two weeks. Um, well, we have this week and then we have about two weeks before playoffs starts. So, you know, a, a high ankle sprain, you're probably looking at like three to four weeks if it's really bad. Um, I'm hoping it's really not that. It, it, it didn't look very good because he, he, like you said, he did need help to, you know, come off, come off that, uh, come off the floor. But who do you, I mean, who do you think can fit that role? Or um, definitely we see House, we could see House starting, obviously. But what do you think about the, you know, rotation? So I don't, I don't believe in Demari Carroll anymore. After watching him <laughs> in these last two scrimmages, I, I like what say. he's doing though. I like what he's doing um, on the defensive end and rebounding. I'll say that. Like, yeah, I, he just looks lost out there on offense, man. It just looks does. like he hasn't played in a while, and I. He's ooh, not. He's I, definitely not um, Demari Carroll of old, like for sure. Yeah, I, I just don't see it for Demari Carroll. I think. I really like what I've seen out of Ben McLemore on the offensive end, obviously. You know, he's a very pure shooter. uh, That stroke is something else, man. (laughs) Yeah, he's very active off the ball. Uh, I think on the offensive end, Ben McLemore will be the perfect fit to take over that six-man role, but I don't know how much you can trust him on defense, Uh, especially when when the games really, really start to matter. Uh, Obviously, the seeding games are coming up starting on Friday with the Mavericks. But um, as far as the playoffs go, I don't – I think Ben McLemore has made himself playable. A lot of people were saying he potentially would be unplayable because of how bad his defense was. But I think his offense has overcome that to this point. 
but I don't know how much he'll be able to play and if he can be a true sixth man in the playoffs, you know, when defense is tighter and, uh, you know, he's going to have to be making more important decisions because sometimes they'll get lost on rotations and things like that. Uh, yeah, just not not very – Yeah, not very high IQ on the defensive end, but when he's in the game and, uh, and on offense, he just lifts that offense up just because he, he quick – you know, he got that quick trigger. He can really let it fly and, um, and he can get hot real quick. Um, and we definitely, the Rockets, they need that type of spacing with this, you know, with this small ball, for sure. For sure. And watching him against the Grizzlies um, a couple nights ago, he pretty much single-handedly kept the Rockets <laughs> back in that game because Man. nobody could buy a bucket except Ben McLemore, who could not miss. <laughs> like, pretty much just single-handedly turned the tide of that game, him and James Harden. So, I think – if he can provide that kind of offense, obviously you can't expect like 26 points and whatever he shot in that game every single time that he plays. But, you know, we're going to need him to be kind of that instant offense, knocking down open threes kind of guy to step into the six-man role. Or it may have to be Austin Rivers. Uh, hard to say what he can provide. He's has missed the scrimmages until this point. I don't think he got in until the – pretty late in this game, like maybe the second half. Uh, Yeah, yeah, his shooting – yeah, Rivers, I mean, we know what he can do offensively. We know where his role is and, you know, what his limits are. He's not – obviously, he's not a catch-and-shoot player, and um, he's he's not going to be able to provide, you know, that, I guess, like the the catch-and-shoot like Ben McLemore can provide or Eric Gordon – but we know, like in the playoffs, he's he's definitely stepped up. So I'm not I'm not worried one bit with Austin Rivers because he just brings a different dog, a different energy, like defensively and offensively. He he can knock down shots in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know with the regular season, he's not. I don't think he's you know he shoot he's shooting that great. Maybe around like a 35 percent shooter, which is not which is not bad for for Austin Rivers um, as far as the season goes, regular season. But um, I'm 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 very hopeful in Austin Rivers, you know, seeing him, and, and I'm I'm happy that we we got to see a little bit of him, and he actually played he actually played decently well today. Right, and I think that something else in Austin Rivers Rivers' favor is that he can kind of initiate the offense, um, you know. So if it's just him and James Harden, or it's just him and Russell Westbrook on the floor, he can be that kind of second initiator um, mm-hmm. that'll kind of get the offense going because you know. Ben McLemore is not going to be running the running the point at any point for yeah. the Houston Rockets. So, you know, I think that Austin Rivers may see a big increase in minutes if Eric Gordon is out for a stretch mm-hmm. just because, you know, he can – he's a point guard and, you know, can kind of help facilitate the offense. I have no idea what to expect from Luke Mbamute. <laughs> uh, Luke Mbamute could be the player that we loved in 2018. He could be me or you. We We have no idea – what he's going to look like out there because we didn't get to see him in the scrimmage either, but he has cleared quarantine and is cleared to play. Um, So, yeah, that's a complete wild card. Could be nothing, could be everything. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, knowing knowing Mike D'Antoni and how he works with his rotations and lineups, he doesn't just throw in somebody that hasn't played in a while. Like, it's very, very, very unlikely that we see Luka Mbamute like play past any you know the regular season even so uh I just it's very hard to see that and and I know I know as Rockets fans like 
you know, we're all, we were all hoping that, you know, Mike D'Antoni would go into like a, a larger lineup with at least like a nine, nine, even 10 man rotation. But that's, that's like not his style. That's not his thing. And everyone can pr- protest all they want about that. But, you know, he's, Mike D'Antoni's adamant in what he does. And he's going to, if he thinks one way, he's going to stick with it. And, you know, that's kind of been, kind of been the issue. But so what do you think that second unit is going to, is going to look like now, I guess, with, you know, if it's, if it's just going to be an eight, eight man rotation. I think it's going to be really tough for the Rockets to kind of separate themselves with the bench units. I think what we're going to be looking at is, you know, the Rockets having to kind of build up leads and go on runs and things like that. When, you know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are in the game together, stuff like that. And then just kind of fight to maintain as the bench unit plays just because, you know, we don't really have the guys to, you know, consistently put up a lot of offense or give you great defense. But I think we have guys that can, that can trade buckets potentially. So I think it's going to look a lot like, you know, some of those rest years in Oklahoma city where, you know, he would sit on the bench and then, you know, they would have to fight for their lives to kind of maintain, you know, their lead or their margin in the game just because, you know, the bench isn't going to – I don't think – I don't see the bench doing that great for us. They haven't done that in the past. We haven't got a whole lot of production. But, uh, you know, D'Antoni likes to stagger. Um, You know, we saw him do that with CP3 when he was still here. He does it with Russ now, you know, where either Russ or Harden is on the floor at all times. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fight, a dog fight every time one of them sits, I think. For sure. For sure, man. Okay, and so we will come back and we will talk about the ins and outs of this scrimmage and kind of what we're looking forward to coming up in the seeding games. We will be right back. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. 5G from AT&T is fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. So, should you switch? Well, historically, those were the reasons new tech was adopted. Neanderthals saw that fire heated things fast and made their caves secure from rampaging woolly mammoths. The ancient Romans saw that the aqueducts were a reliable and fast way to transport water, so they stopped carrying water jugs on their backs and adopted them nationwide. Oh, and uh, 1800s Victorians saw electricity light up rooms fast and be more reliable than candles blowing out, so they stopped bumping into walls and made it nationwide. Today is no different. Switching to AT&T 5G is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, historically speaking, it's smarter than candles, water pots, and hungry dinosaurs. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. And we are back in here at the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, preparing to discuss these performances from the past three scrimmage games as well as the outlook for the remainder of the season. Um, so, Dex, uh, do you want to start it off with us? Um, you know, talk, kind of talk about um, James Harden and what he's been able to do these three skimmers games. He's been able to do absolutely everything these few <laughs> scrimmage games. He has been on fire shooting the ball. You know, he's played good enough on defense. Obviously, you're not watching James Harden expecting him to – put on a defensive clinic, but like he's been active 
with his pres- with his rotations, he's been active, you know, off ball on offense. Um, you know, he did get posterized in this game. We have to acknowledge yeah. it. It happened. He got I'm gonna on, I'm gonna defend him. I'm gonna defend him a little bit, say he was a little bit out of the way, but yeah, you could um you could say it was kind of a poster. It yeah. I mean nobody is buying Carson Edwards posters, but like if they did, <laughs> that would be one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, other than that, he's been on fire the last the three scrimmage games. So I'm really excited to see what he can do over these seeding games. This game, he had 30 points in the first half on seven of ten from three. Uh, he finished the game with 35 points because he only played the third quarter, and obviously the game was out of hand at that point. Uh, he kind of took it easy, but he finished eight of 13 from three, uh, seven of seven at the line. 10 of 16 from the field, 35 points. Uh, let me find his assist. He had eight rebounds, six assists. He had a steal and a block. So, yeah, James Harden doing everything for the Rockets in this scrimmage. And if he can continue playing and shooting like that, the Rockets are going to be a tough out for anybody in the league. Oh, yeah. When when James Harden gets going, I – they're I think they're the best team in the league like it's it's almost unstoppable for anyone else and we could we've seen this in the past um if James Harden has a great game it's it's like almost impossible for the Rockets to lose like I'll say that confidently um like anyone else on the team can have a bad game but if James Harden is having a fantastic game like they're the outcome of the game it's going to be a dub for (laughs) for the Rockets and you know, we we saw like last last game, he he dropped thirty points too, thirty one points. I think um, he had um, nine assists against the Grizzlies, eight rebounds, filled up the stat sheet. A little careless with the ball, but you know, offensively he was like he was five for nine, I think. I want to say from the three point line, um, sh- seven for fifteen overall, and then um, went to the free throw, uh, went to the free throw line like sixteen times. So. He was he was really, he's been really good um, these past couple scrimmages scrimmage games and even against even in the Toronto game I think he had only played like three quarters and he he dropped like twenty four points and the Rockets were just about they're kind of, they're tied they're you could say they're winning um, until he came out the game um, the fourth quarter was kind of a wash in that that Raptors game but you, that game he had a double double with twenty four points and ten assists um, two steals uh, four rebounds so he was he's been he's been tearing it up um and he and we could we can talk about a little bit how you know before the season had kind of you know ended or i don't want to say ended but when it got postponed he wasn't playing his best basketball obviously he had that really bad i think month long stretch but i'm so i'm i'm excited to see what he's what he's done um i'm sure he's just he kind of like recuperated regenerated this four month like hiatus was is kind of you know amazing for him and he's he's been he's been tearing it up and tonight you know you you read the stat line it was ridiculous like 35 points and 30 points came in the freaking first half this is a scrimmage game and and uh you know he's gonna get he's gonna get his hate saying you know on twitter nba twitter is gonna say oh he it's just a scrimmage game why is he trying and stuff like that but i think opposite i think he's just gonna be he's gonna be ready when the uh regular season resumes yeah he mentioned um I don't remember what it was, some kind of press availability the other day that, you know, he had played 30-plus minutes in the Rockets scrimmage against the Grizzlies, and he was like, because I want, you know, to prepare for when I'm doing that when the games matter. I don't want to just, you know, be doing that for the first time in four months when the games matter. So, you know, he's locked in. He's ready to go. 
And like you said, I think if James Harden, if we get that kind of James Harden consistently in these seeding games and in the playoffs, the Rockets have a, as good a chance as anybody to win the shit because when uh, you know when James Harden is cooking, there's really nothing you can do to stop the Rockets' offense other than just hope he misses. Um, you know, because they're going to give him the ball and they're going to let him go get two or three points every possession if that's what he can do. Um, you know, so if he has got his shot going, if he's getting to the line, if he's, you know, uh, keep – if he's active on defense and, you know, active off the ball on offense, and there's really nothing that, that you can do to stop this team. Uh, we were talking about over the break, uh, we saw him – get a couple catch-and-shoot threes. He was in the corner, just stand there knocking him down. Like, he was P.J. He, Tucker. He, yeah. <laughs> he was shooting. He, he, so, I mean, I've always been a fan of, you know, Harden being catch-and-shoot as well because, like, I think the numbers say that he's actually a pretty decent catch-and-shoot player. Like, obvi- we know James Harden to be, like, a great ISO player. You could say, like, you know, he, he's probably the greatest ISO player of all time, if not the greatest, you know. So, it's like um, he – so we we know we can we, he can do an iso ball he could cook some guys up. Um, now we, we did see some of that uh, some of that catch and shoot from Russ and I think a couple other other players, but um, he can he can definitely catch and shoot. And I think uh, I was reading here from you know our colleague uh, Anthony Duckett, and he was he he had quoted I think MDA saying that um, Harden he's going to try to have um, Harden come off the ball more. And you know I would definitely like to see how that plays out because he whenever Harden comes off the ball we've seen um whether it be like I guess teams trying to double team him and deny him the ball or just in general it's it's for sure a four four v four game whenever Harden comes off the ball so it just it completely spreads the floor and we know what a you know offensive type genius Mike D'Antoni is um and we know that he can he can come up with different schemes offensively um, and test out to see like how how this team works out, but um, I'm curious to see how that goes with Harden coming off the ball. Yeah, one play that we saw in the scrimmage that I've never really seen before. Somebody highlighted this on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but James Harden was part of like a triple screen for somebody that was off the ball, and then that guy like ran through the screen, and James Harden like backed out, and then. It, the other two rockets that were part of that triple screen, like ran like an elevator screen where they kind of like smushed together and gave Harden a wide open three at the top of the key. It was a fantastic play. Um, I'm sure we'll retweet it and you can find it on your TL. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of but, uh, um, top of the key, we saw PJ Tucker hit a couple of those off the top of the key. Um, you know, not used to seeing him hit those. I mean, he's, he's more of a, corner three-point shooter and he's probably one of the best in the league at that um but yeah he I was surprised to see him hit a couple from the top of the key yeah I think as much like offensive stuff that we can see from the Rockets that we don't usually see the better because you know once we're seeing PJ Tucker knock down top of the key threes we're seeing James Harden active off the ball getting you know catch and shoot threes if we're seeing, you know, Russ backdoor cuts, like Ben Mclemore slip into the hole, all this other kind of stuff. I think if we can kind of add that into all of our other, you know, offense where, you know, it's James Harden and Russell Westbrook primarily creating and, uh, you know, doing driving kicks and stuff like that. If we can mix that stuff in with, you know, Harden off the ball and P.J. Tucker at the top of the key and all that kind of stuff, I think 
you know, that'd be great for us and obviously, you know, give us a much better chance at competing because, you know, we get pretty predictable um, in the playoffs usually. You know, it's, you know, James Harden's going to get the ball. He's going to dribble a lot. He's going to, you know, put up a shot. It's going to go in or it's not going to go in. You know, yeah. it goes in, the Rockets win. It doesn't go in, the Rockets lose. <laughs> you know, I think the more options that we have and, you know, kind of the more diverse our offense is, the better, obviously. Yeah, and it's going to – at the end of the day, I think it's really going to come down to how the – I guess you could say the third unit with um, with Westbrook, how that works out, how that plays out. Because that's a very um, important stretch of the game where it's we, – we've seen, like, the offense so limited um, in the past, especially this season. Um, um, I, I know Westbrook, he, he had been – he had been balling out. He had been – to me, he had been, like, a top five player um, before the – before this break or before this, uh, the coronavirus hit, um, he, he's, he was pretty good. Um, and then we didn't see, we didn't see too much of that to start these scrimmage games. Um, he played to, to say it, you know, politely, he played poorly. Um, the last two scrimmage games, um, he shot one game. I think he shot like three. Well, the first game he was five for 12, which was not too bad, but shot selection was just, was just not there. He only had like 10 points, was careless with the basketball, uh, four turnovers, but he did lead the team in rebounding, which we've seen countless times again that Russell Westbrook, he can rebound the ball and he can some somewhat become, you know, the Rockets center at times. And then, you know, last game with Westbrook, um, he, he definitely shot extremely poorly, three for 14, um, only had eight points, um, still chaos with the basketball with four turnovers. He had five assists, six rebounds. And I did actually have on Twitter like a small breakdown of his, um, a little bit of his offensive highlights. And um, he was actually, despite, you know, only having five assists, he could have had 10 assists because I saw him um, uh, in that video. You could, you could check my Twitter. But he was, he definitely, um, he was finding, um, he was finding players on the wing. Uh, he gets because Russell Westbrook. He's Russell Westbrook. He gets so much attention from the defense. Sometimes, like when he drives to the lane, you see two, three guys collide um, just to try to stop him. And he's he gets guys wide open for kickouts. And um, if as long as he's doing that when he drives and he's not forcing shots up, um, you know, I like you know I like hard uh, I like uh, Westbrook's you know, his, his little mid range game when it comes to like that elbow jump shot. Cause that's been, you know, in the past, that's been his, like almost like his bread and butter, his money, his money shots. I'd like to just see him go with that. Definitely. I'm not a fan of like his, um, his, like the elbow jumpers where, you know, he's trying to post up a dude and he does like those little one-legged fadeaways. It's, those are not very, they're not very effective. I don't mind him seeing, you know, I don't mind seeing him do, have those elbow jump shots, but tonight, you know, tonight was, he was fantastic. Um, he was six for 10. I mean, he shot two threes, which is we Rockets fans <laughs> rejoice when he keeps those three point shots to a minimum. He he made one of them. So he was 50%. He was a hundred percent from the free throw line, six for six, and then eight assists, six rebounds, um, four turnovers. He could probably clean those up a little bit of steel. Um, and then he had 19 points. So that's the Russell Westbrook, we've seen this season um and you know i I really liked i enjoyed watching his game today yeah something that you mentioned there that i want to highlight is that he was 100 percent at the line and in this game the rockets were 30 of 33 
at the free throw line, shooting 90% (laughs) from the free throw line. Wow. The other day on the podcast, me and Jackson were talking about, you know, whether, you know, not having fans in the stands would affect guys at all, whether they shoot better or worse. I think with no fans in the stands, free throws become like shots that you just absolutely have to make because there's no reason for you not to. It's just you're you're a professional player. You're shooting a free throw. Like there's nobody like jeering you or – you know, shouting you down or distracting you in any way, really. You have no excuse to miss that shot most of the time. So I think if the Rockets are shooting as well from the free throw line as they did in this game and as they have in the other scrimmages, you know, in the seeding games and throughout the playoffs, then the Rockets are going to be extremely dangerous because we know they get to the line and, you know, they uh, – you know, if we are making those shots, that will win us a, f- a few games in the playoffs because we've had a few, you know, kind of slip away at the free throw line. So if we have that nailed down, you know, whether it's because of the bubble or whatever, Mm -hmm. then we become even more dangerous. For sure. And we still haven't seen that quite that mesh yet with Harden and Westbrook doing well. It's um, we've seen one or the other, you know, um, go off in games, but it's, um, it's we've always been dependent on one of those guys. Like I really would like to see them, you know, often combined for like 50, 60 points. Um, that's typically not the case, which is kind of weird to me because they haven't, we've seen with in the past with like Westbrook, I mean, with uh, Chris Paul and Harden, we saw that go pretty smoothly in the 2018 season. Um, like both those guys can take over games. We have not seen that yet. Um, it, it's usually one or the other. For sure. Um, so, we're going to wrap up the pod kind of talking about our outlook for the eight seeding game. So the Rockets have before the playoffs, that'll determine, you know, kind of who they're facing in the first round and things like that. Um, so we start on Friday. Mm-hmm. We have the Mavericks. Big game. <laughs> then we have the Bucks. Then the Blazers. A um, little, uh, little bit of a gap there between <laughs> them and some of the other two opponents they were facing, but – Rant right back up with the Lakers. Then we play the Kings, Spurs, Pacers, and we close out with the 76ers. So those are your eight seeding games for the Rockets. How are you feeling? Um, are you feeling better or worse about the Rockets' outlook than you were at the start of the scrimmages? I'm feeling um, a little better seeing, like, how, they, how they've done over these past two games. But, um, again, like, to me, like, Eric Gordon is, like, a key for this team to do well. And um, I'm still confident with this Rockets team for sure um, heading into the start of the season. Um, so, but we do ha- definitely have some tough, tough games with, we've got the Bucks, uh, we got the Lakers, the Mavs just for some reason, they, they do have our number um, with like Luca. It's, I think it's a little bit of our defensive scheme. Um, probably we need a, mess around with that with the with the Mavs um but then yeah and then I think we got the 76ers at the end which that probably won't won't be an easy game but for the most part half the games are like very winnable like we should we should definitely win those games like with the Blazers Kings Spurs Pacers those are like should be in my in my book those should be definite wins and then you got tough games against um the Lakers, Bucks, Mavs and then um and then the 76ers to finish wrap up the season um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think with like, with the matchups with, I guess you could talk about with, uh, with the Mavs, like what, how do you feel starting off the season? 
Um, you know, I feel I feel okay about the matchups with the Mavs. I I'm not that afraid of them uh, necessarily. I think that it's going to be fascinating. You know, matchup the matchups with the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Sixers are going to tell us a lot about you know what the Rockets' chances are, just because you know obviously those are you know kind of some of the top contending teams, but also they're just so much bigger taller than the Rockets um obviously we've already seen you know kind of the micro ball Rockets play the Lakers and we beat them yeah Uh, but we haven't seen it against the Bucks Uh, obviously Giannis is a problem um they've got you know whatever Lopez twin they have and you know they're a large team yeah um obviously the 76ers they have Joel Embiid they have you know Ben Simmons they have Al Horford Uh um they're a tall team. team, so it's going to be interesting to see how we kind of match up with those teams. And if, you know, they're just abusing us and taking advantage of us with their size, then, you know, obviously we're going to have a problem in the playoffs. But, you know, if we're able to hold our own in those games, I think then, you know, that'll tell us a lot about how far the Rockets can potentially go this season. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Uh, you know, having basketball that matters is, you know, this is – what we've all been waiting for for months. Um, I think this is going to be really exciting. And, you know, uh, obviously other sports leagues are back now, but I think the NBA is doing this a little bit better than, you know, some of the other sports leagues, <laughs> MLB. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely with the Miami Marlins. <laughs> yeah. With MLB, so, it's, uh, not a, it's not good. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just really excited to, you know, kind of see how this whole thing plays out, you know, now that the games matter and there's still no fans in the stands and, we're gonna have the virtual fans and all that other junk. I'm yeah, just there's, there, there's no real there's like. n- there's no real home court advantage here. Um, I mean, they can have the virtual stuff all they want, but um, yeah, there's no. I, w- I want to say there's no real home court advantage. So um, seating, it's not. I guess it's not as important in terms of like home court advantage, but definitely um, we don't want to be playing like the Lakers or Clippers in the first round. Um, probably not even the nuggets you know uh, but what do you what so what do you i guess so before we like i guess wrap up what do you see us like finishing the season off in terms of seeding who's our who's our kind of our favorable matchups uh, let's see um we do have so i mean the jazz are at four at fourth seed thunder right now are fifth seed rockets at sixth um so it's gonna be we're gonna be playing i think one of those either the Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, um, from the looks of it, because um, we do have a one-and-a-half game lead on the Mavs um, uh, for sixth seed. So who, who, to me, like, I guess the favorable, team, favorable teams would be, I guess at this point, the Jazz, because we have their number in the past. Sure. And, and then also the Thunder. Would, Thunder, they did give us that work <laughs> this season. Um, so I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not scared of them. But that's a team I probably don't want to play because uh, they're so well-grounded. Uh, definitely the Jazz for me. For personal reasons, I don't want to play the Thunder in the first round just because if we were to potentially lose to the Thunder in the first round of the playoffs, oh, I I would have to leave Twitter. Like I, <laughs> I just could not possibly oh, continue man. my existence on Twitter.com if that were to happen to me. Uh, but yeah, in terms of actual matchups, I think the Jazz are the best matchup for us, just because, like you said, we have their number. Uh, we've shown that we can, you know, contain Rudy Gobert. Russ 
just be bully and Rudy Gobert all the time that they play. Uh, you know, so I think that's a favorable first round matchup for us. I would actually like to play the Nuggets. I am not at all afraid of the Denver Nuggets. I will never believe in the Denver Nuggets. I think that they are fake. They are frauds <laughs> and that we can take them. So, you know, I think that'd be fine. Uh, but yeah, as long as you avoid the Lakers, and obviously we're going to avoid the Lakers, but uh, and the Thunder, because just for personal reasons, that's what I want. Just not to play the Thunder. Okay. Um, yeah, and I mean, the Nuggets, yeah, they are, to me, you know, in a way, they are kind of fake. Um, you know, they, ha- they always, the, the past three seasons, they've had a heck of a regular season, and they've looked amazing, um, Coach Malone, but it's like, I just don't see them going very far um, or making a very deep run in the playoffs just because they don't have that guy that can just, you know, you know, create for that for that team. Agreed. So fi- to close out the pod, we're just going to say the Nuggets are fake. Don't believe in the Denver <laughs> Nuggets. So that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.